Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where someone's stupidity forces them to pay a $120,000 bill. Our next Reddit post is from Chick with an Attitude. My ex-husband and I had a great divorce. Even though he cheated on me after 12 years and two kids under four, I really wanted to do things differently than my parents did during their divorce. I never said anything negative about him and tried very hard to defend him when the kids got upset with him. I extended invitations to the woman he left me for so that she wouldn't feel uncomfortable with me, and we became friends. She was basically my kid's stepmom, so why wouldn't I include her on everything? On holidays, we all had one big dinner. Me and my boyfriend, plus him and his girlfriend. This made everyone comfortable, and the kids never had to choose one side or the other, and we were all on the same page. We had such a great relationship that when I had back surgery, I recovered at his house and she cooked for me. He and I were coaches for the kids' basketball and baseball teams, and I helped at their wedding 13 years later. This was not easy for me because he had moved to another state to raise her kids, leaving me to raise ours on my own. She quit her job when they got together, and I had to return to work to support my kids. But I needed to keep the resentment and bitterness away from my kids. All of this set the tone for the divorce, but when he initially left, I spoke to a lawyer and got a separation agreement that was really great for me. He asked me that I not take half of his retirement, but instead, he would pay X in child support and an additional Y in alimony. Because at the time, he was making a lot of money, and I was a stay-at-home mom with a country club membership. Yuck, I hate that I have to say that, but I'm just trying to set the scene. Normally, alimony ends after five years, but because I never got half of his 401k, the only conditions that would end the alimony is if I remarried or if I died. He agreed to all of this. The thing is, when he left me to move down to where his girlfriend lived, he left his cushy job and took this promising, but not delivering position that really screwed him financially. But he never went back to the lawyer to get the child support or alimony reduced. Instead, he borrowed from his mother. When I discovered that he was mooching off of her, I suggested to her that she stop paying for him when he finally got back on his feet. She would never do that, and she continued paying for his life and for her to be a stay-at-home mom. She even co-signed for a second home for him when he finally moved back to raise his and my kids. Her kids had graduated and moved out while ours were still in high school. He did come to me to ask if I would accept regular child support and half the alimony. Then, later, when he was really earning money, he would pick back up on the past due amount. Not wanting to make waves in an otherwise great divorce, I said yes, and I kept track each month of what was owed in a shared spreadsheet with him so that he could see how far in debt he was getting each month. He ended up owing me $1,000 a month over 10 years. But he said that when his kids aged out of child support, he would continue to pay the same amount to make up for the alimony, which totaled $120,000. When my daughter aged out, he continued to pay the same amount, putting a small dent in what he owed me for three years. Then, as soon as my son aged out, I mean two weeks after my son joined the Marines, he called me and told me there was no way that he was going to continue paying me for the next so many years, and I could take him to court if I wanted. But there was no effing way that he would pay me another cent. This completely blew my mind, because we had such a fantastic relationship, and it came out of nowhere. I was completely freaked out. 
but I took his advice. I contacted an attorney and sent all of his calls to voicemail, per my attorney's advice, and I took him to court. The best thing was, prior to the hearing, my attorney put a lien on both of his homes so that he couldn't change ownership to his mom or his wife prior to the court hearing. I still have the phone call recording when he realized this and the horrible names he called me for doing that. Since I had kept such immaculate records from the day that he changed payments and he was aware of his debt rising each month, it was a slam dunk for my attorney. Instead of making small payments for a few years, he had 30 days to pay me $120,000 in full. Unfortunately, the kids now have to choose which parent they visit on holidays, but that wasn't my fault. I was willing to continue as is and not put any strain on the family relationship. And for those who are wondering, yes, he did cheat on his girlfriend two times before they got married, but she had quit her job when they got together because she found a quote, sugar daddy, and had nothing to fall back on and nowhere to go, so she stayed with him. OP, like, obviously, I'm really happy that you were able to get justice against this guy. But at the same time, you were raising, what, two of his kids from the age of four years old to 18. So that's 14 years of you being the single earner for his two kids. And all he had to pay you was 120K. That feels weirdly low to me. Like, yeah, obviously, 120K is a lot of money. But still, you're raising his two children and that's like, that's it. Like, am I out of touch here? That feels like a really low number for like 14 years of child support for two kids. Our next Reddit post is from Voodoo. I started working at a company and they didn't have clocking in machines. People would show up quite regularly a couple of minutes late. Not through reckless abandon, but simply because traffic in the area was hugely unpredictable. Plus, the car park was really far away and it would take time depending where you parked to get into the office. Everyone was okay with this because we would make up for the lost time by eating through lunch or by staying late. Anyway, the HR guy decided he had something to prove and got a clocking in machine. He would then issue warnings on an escalating procedure from verbal to formal written to worse. When people started to realize how strict he was being, they all just started to fully follow the rule. Clock in at 8.30 a.m., take an exact 45 minutes for lunch, and then clock out at exactly 5 p.m. You better believe, at 5 p.m., there was a full-on rush to clock out. There would occasionally be a line to clock out at 5 p.m. By 5.05 p.m., the place was an absolute ghost town, apart from the sad act director and HR nobbler that implemented this system. They must have felt really smug with themselves if they stopped people from being late. They also must have lost an absolute fortune through lost productivity, and a few people hated it, so they left. What's great about this is that nobody actually sent out a memo like, hey, let's exploit this rule. It was just this group unconscious thing after the first few disciplinaries. Today's episode is sponsored by Coinbase. My second biggest regret is not starting my YouTube channel sooner. My biggest regret is not getting into Bitcoin back when it was like $1. I remember back when Bitcoin was super new, I was interested in it, and I thought about buying some, but I lost interest because I didn't know what to do and it felt a little overwhelming. I really wish that I could have used a site like Coinbase back then. Coinbase is a website that makes it super easy to buy cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Interested in getting into the crypto game yourself? Then check out Coinbase. 
For a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com slash r slash podcast. Sign up at coinbase.com slash r slash podcast for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's coinbase.com slash r slash podcast. Our next Reddit post is from Till Eulenspiegel. This happened about 20 years ago. My most frequently used knife was an 8-inch chef's knife, but the one that I had was such awful quality that I dreamed of the day when I would have enough money to buy myself a real knife. So when I eventually got my first professional job, I got my finances all straightened out and decided that it was time to make my first big knife purchase. I waited for a sale and then went to the department store. Back in the day, that department store employed an older man who was their knife expert in charge of high-end knives. I chatted with him about the difference between brands, and while I was deciding, the old man went on break. He was replaced by a young rover from another department. I picked up my treasured choice and went to the checkout to pay for it. Now, the knife I chose was almost $200 at the regular price, but it was on sale for about $140. But the young guy behind the counter rang it up at $40. So I said, what? Did you say, but he interrupted me and said, $40. I said, I don't think that's right. He pulled out a price list, pointed at an item and said, see, it's $40. So I smiled and pointed out, that says six inch sandwich knife. And he nodded uncomprehendingly. I held up my knife and said, this is an eight inch chef's knife. And I was about to help him find the correct price, but he held up his hand in a rude way to cut me off and said, Ma'am, these knives are high-end. If you're looking for something cheaper, you should try that section over there. I was so shocked, I just stared at him. Then I said slowly, So, the price for this 8-inch chef's knife is $40? And he confirmed it, so I said, Okay, paid for it, and left. After that, I vacillated between feeling bad for cheating the old man and wishing that I'd grabbed a whole armload of fancy chef's knives for 40 bucks each. But I've certainly enjoyed using that knife ever since. OP, never interrupt your enemy when they're in the process of making a mistake. Soon Sue, the art of war. Our next Reddit post is from Tacky Queen. One of my very first jobs was at a factory doing janitorial work in the office area after they closed for the day. Sweeping, mopping, stripping, and waxing, the whole works. One night, I was working alone in a hallway near the main lobby, just mopping my little heart out, and I heard footsteps approaching. I had wet floor signs up, but I could tell these guys were deeply engrossed in a document and they were discussing something. I really didn't want them to fall, so I called out, Please be careful, gentlemen. The floor is wet and it's a bit slick. The guys were about even with me now, looked up, made eye contact, and laughed before responding, Oh, we're hardly gentlemen. Don't call us that. Without missing a beat or even thinking about it, I responded just as they walked past me. If you say so, ladies, have a good night. The two burst out in hysterics, thanked me for the laugh, and continued upstairs to the conference room. Shortly after that, my boss came running down the steps. Apparently, he'd seen the interaction from the second floor. His eyes were wide, and he said, Why would you say that? I don't know. They said they weren't gentlemen and not to call them that, so ladies was the first thing that came to mind. So anyway, that's how I called the CEO and president of the nationally recognized corporation Ladies on their way to a meeting. Yeah, I would have laughed too OP. Honestly, it's a pretty funny joke. 
Our next Reddit post is from Rebel Scum. I work in upscale catering with a busy corporate division, as well as our private events like weddings and such. The staff wore jeans and a t-shirt, which was fine for corporate deliveries of lunch and the like. My daily workwear is jeans, a crisp white shirt, and Converse Chuck Taylor shoes. Red Chucks, for the record. I also have full sleeve tattoos on my arm and a resting murder face. My personality is a total contrast to outward appearance, however, in that I'm very outgoing and I like to get people to laugh, which I'm very good at with our clients. As such, the company owner has given me a lot more slack about some of the more formal rules in place because he knows that I can make an event run smooth like rich, creamy butter. So my department head has a pickle up her butt about the chucks that I wear. She's constantly on my butt about wearing red shoes. For months, she's harped on me almost daily until she finally wrote me up. When I was at the meeting dealing with the write-up, I told her that I wouldn't wear my red shoes anymore, to which she looked extremely satisfied and pleased with herself. Until the next day, when I showed up in orange and white checkered vans. It's a small malicious compliance, but it's what I got, and I'll never forget the look on her face when she realized how pointless her argument was. Beneath that, we had this story from the Yarn Llama. I worked in an office where the owner was proud of the fact that there was no dress code. He wanted his employees to be comfy as they worked and to look accessible to clients, not like a lot of corporate robots. A new manager comes in, and I got written up for not dressing appropriately. I usually wore jeans and a plain shirt. I also wore a cable knit headband to keep my hair back and because the office was so cold. The new manager didn't like my look because it wasn't office appropriate and she really hated my headband. I went to the owner and told him about my write-up. He was pissed. The new manager didn't last that much longer. Beneath that, someone says, that seems weird because shouldn't the CEO have told the new manager about the dress code? And OP replied, that's the thing. The manager wasn't a new hire. I worded that kind of badly. He had already been working there. He'd been there for ages. He was just promoted to manager when the old office manager retired. He knew the culture of the company. He just decided to throw his weight around and it did not work in his favor. Oh, all right. So the guy pulled a Dwight Schrute. Our next Reddit post is from Naughty Cat. The original owner of the business that I worked for was amazing. I'll call him Larry. He cared about every employee and realized how much we helped the company with our respective positions. He even let me go negative on my sick time once when I was hospitalized for a week following a double pulmonary embolism with the agreement that I would work back the time, and I did. I'm just painting a picture of how wonderful Larry was as our boss. Larry finally retired after 45 years of running the business and sold it to his son, who I'll call Eric. Most people know of how terrible of an idea that is, but Larry thought that his son could handle it. He couldn't at first, but that's another story. Eric thought that I wasn't doing enough during work hours, but what he failed to realize was that since I worked up there for six years and got familiar with the work, I was really efficient at my job. So much so that I had taken on more and more responsibilities each year. Larry was one of the main people pushing for me to take on more work each year, with immediate raises every time something was added. But Eric did not have the same mentality. Eric fired me for being inactive for too long during the day, and another reason that wasn't important here. So, for my last three days, I was really active, and I deleted everything that I'd created for the company. 
After all, all that work was from me going above and beyond, but since Eric thinks that I don't go above and beyond, they don't deserve to keep it. I destroyed signs for products, pictures gathered for advertising, vendor contact information, a program I designed to keep organized and on time for invoices, and a manual that I typed up on how to do my job. They did have an old version of my job instructions, but by that time, they were practically obsolete, especially with all my extra duties collected over the years. In the two years that I've been gone, they've had at least eight people hired for my position who quit within a couple of months. I keep getting updates every few months from one of my friends in that office. I would love to know the like actual statistics on the number of companies that succeed after the original owner sells it to their their son or their daughter or just their offspring in general. What do you guys think it is? 10% probably? It's gotta be low. That was r slash malicious compliance. And if you like this content, check out my second channel by clicking the link in the description. Also, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.